0: Audio Ground School podcast. Hello and welcome in to episode number 62 of the Audio Ground School podcast. My name is Nick Smith. I'm your host, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. And this is the podcast where we go through the Part-Time Pilot Online Ground School for free for you guys in audio. So this is episode number 62. We're going to continue on. We're almost done with our cross-country flight planning. This one's going to be lesson 14 of course step one, online ground school, private pilot lessons. So if you're in the online ground school, you know, we organize things by courses. We have a start here course. that kind of gets you introduced. Then we have a step one, which is your online ground school, private lessons. Then we have step two, which is practice tests. And then we go through your process to get you in your endorsement and do more practice tests, give you a custom report and all that. Anyway, so we're in step one. That's all the lessons, the videos, the audio, the Pictures, the mnemonic devices, the quizzes, all that stuff is in step one. And in section 12 of that course is cross-country planning. And we are all the way down on lesson 14 on time in route. Last week, we did ground speed and magnetic heading. We calculated ground speed, we calculated magnetic heading. And now that we know ground speed, we already calculated distance a long time ago. We can get time in route. And then after that, once we have time, we can come up with an accurate fuel consumption and fuel planning plan for our flight. Before we get started on that, a couple things that I've been doing is one I want to read off a couple new reviews. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, I will read it out on the podcast episode. So you can either do that or if you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review at TrustPilot.com. So this first one here is from Apple Podcasts. It's from Real Ass Dude, but it's spelled A asterisk. I assume he means ass. Apologies for the cursing. Is that a bad word these days? I don't know. Maybe I should say real butt dude. Anyways, the best, most informative aviation podcast. Five stars. Nick, thank you so much for all you do for us student pilots. This podcast has been such an incredible resource for me. I listen to it while driving, in the gym, and during breakfast. The visuals also help so much. I'm right on track for my PPL, private pilot license, and just did my first successful landing. That is awesome man the first successful landing is such a memorable experience it's right up there with your first solo that's really awesome so congratulations on your first successful landing keep it up and i'm glad you're liking the podcast i'm also glad you mentioned the visuals because if you haven't yet check out the podcast show notes we have a bunch of links whatever we talk about in the lesson we'll link to that if i forget something just reach out to us at team at part sometimes i might forget but Feel free to reach out and let me know if I do forget some, but we'll post videos that we talk about or images or something like that so we can provide these visuals for you guys. Now, the next review is going to be from Trustpilot, and if you want to leave a review, this is Trustpilot.com. We have no affiliation with them. They're not even called Trustpilot. I don't know if it started as an aviation review, but... It's, it's all industries and it's just a secure place for people to leave reviews and know that they're authentic. You can't even spoof your own reviews on there. They do a great job of making sure that it's all authentic reviews and they review them themselves and all that stuff. Really cool. Trustpilot.com. Then just search part-time pilot. This one's from Jacob Moore. Five stars. Says maybe too long selling products in beginning. I like your stuff and going to still recommend to my students to listen to the audio. But one thing I didn't like so much, but I get it, was the fact in the first 15 minutes is just selling the products or stuff that doesn't talk about the lesson may disinterest or have the student lose focus and may not want to listen to the rest. I'm still going to leave a five-star review again because I like the material. Well, Jacob, I appreciate the five-star review despite your criticisms. And I appreciate your honesty. And I just wanted to read this one off because... No matter what they are, we do in the online ground school. So one, this is a business, this is my living, right? I do have to make a living. I do this full time for my job. I created this ground school and we're the only ones that give out ground school content completely for free. Yes, you can find this information, but I'm literally going through this ground school that took me hundreds and hundreds of hours to create. I'm reading it off for you guys, adding more examples, more stories to it completely free. If I have ads or want to sell my ground school, like I kind of need to do that. So I need to make some money somewhere. So I apologize for that. But you guys are completely welcome to just fast forward. I know that's what I do on a lot of podcasts. I always fast forward through the commercials. Please, if you don't want to hear the first... 15 minutes or so, 10 minutes or so, please fast forward, get to the lesson. But in the online ground school, I just want to mention in the online ground school, you get all these audio lessons attached to your lessons ad free. So none of this stuff that I'm talking about now, none of the ads, it's just straight to the lesson. And you also get them as soon as I record them. So sometimes that's a month or a month and a half in advance of when they come out on the podcast. And then finally, we also have bonus episodes that we don't release on the podcast that are only for our online ground school members. For instance, just a few weeks ago we did a live lesson on new questions on the FAA written exam. So the new questions that we're seeing since the big change. So we went through all those questions, what the answers were, why the answers were that on a live lesson. And I took that audio and made it into a bonus episode and that's only for the online ground school members. If you do want these ad free audio lessons, go ahead and check out our online ground school. I know this is me, again, selling the online ground school. But again, you can fast forward through this and I got to make a living. So appreciate those that do listen to this and those that do support the podcast. But thank you again, Jacob, for the review. All right. One more review. Five star review from Gaetano Gaetano Di Puala. Sorry if I completely butchered that name. Says five star. Loved it. Really approachable and thorough program. I really like the quick support via chat, great method, and lots of useful content. So, thank you for the reviews, you guys. And let's move on to our next segment. Let's get it going here. So, the, our next segment is listener questions or questions from our Facebook study group. You can join that, it's online ground school study group, part time pilot, online ground school study group. Just search for that in Facebook groups. And this question I thought was really good. It wasn't really a question, it was more of a conversation, but Kind of points to some of the great conversations we are having on here. I thought about going through the history of this Facebook group and just printing it off and making a booklet of it. Because it's got a lot of great information if you just search through here. We had a member that just got a 92% on the written exam. But before they did that, they posted any last minute advice or tips. So some people were commenting, some just some general support, you know, get some good sleep. You've done all the work, just just worry about relaxing, not being anxious and getting good sleep, and then maybe going over some of the multiple choice test-taking strategies that we have in the ground school. But then they said, hey, I took it 92%. They said good enough. I think that's a fantastic score. As we always do, the FAA does not publish their question. But over the years, and it's been almost a decade since they've really changed the questions, but we just saw a change recently, and that's something I mentioned before but they don't tell you what questions they are. They don't give access to the question bank. The reason why most test prep places and ground schools get so close to the actual questions or actually seem to know the FA written questions is because of years of basically crowdsourcing feedback from what is on the actual test. So just years of students reporting what they were asked on, all that collecting shows the power of a large group and the internet to just collect all this data they get all their questions from the FA published material. So that's the FAR, the AIM, the PHAC, or the Airplane Flying Manual. Those FA published documents that are free, that's where they get all their questions from. If there's a question, the answer is gonna be in one of those things. So the combination of students saying, hey, I got a question about this and this, and then going through and looking in the PHAC or the Airplane Flying Manual or the FAR AIM, if the question was about this, it's what it's gotta be. So over the years and, the FAA not changing their questions for like 10 years or or even more. We've been able to get really, really close on those, but they do not publish those. So any ground school or test prep that says they have the exact ones that they get the published ones, they're lying. The FAA cannot do that. That would be a huge lawsuit because they would be giving certain companies an unfair advantage by giving them, not saying that's never happened before, but that would be a problem. Anyway, so one thing that I like to start doing is especially after this latest round of changes to the questions, which we've updated the ground school with all these changes. And again, I talked about that bonus episode, podcast episode in the ground school. But anyways, I like to ask members, like, were there any questions you didn't see? Any weird, weirdly worded questions, like any feedback you can give us? So that's what I asked. And I just thought I'd share that this member's answer with you. And they're anonymous in the group. But I wanted to share with you guys what they said. They said, so there was one weight and balance question that wanted to know which of the three amounts of baggage would keep me within the envelope. So it's like gives you three options for baggage, which one is in the weight and balance envelope and safe to fly. So that question, that's not new, nothing new there. But we are seeing less weight and balance questions with interpolation, so that's good to know. So There's still weight and balance questions, but not anything with interpolations, which is nice. And then they said one weird question, which of the flight instruments can a pilot adjust? Is it the mechanical vertical speed indicator, a wet compass, or an airspeed indicator? Now, I have heard of them asking this question before, and this was actually a really annoying question because the FAR The actual regulation on this is super confusing. I'm gonna spare you guys and not read that for you, but it's super confusing and it does not specifically state which instruments you can adjust and can't adjust. The place where you have to find it is in the Airplane Flying Handbook. If you read through each individual flight instruments, you'll see on one of them, they mention, this is the one instrument that a pilot is has the authority to adjust rather than a certified flight mechanic. And that is a vertical speed indicator. So sometimes a VSI, you're supposed to check it before the ground, make sure it reads zero feet per minute. Make sure on the ground it's not showing a climb or descent. But sometimes that needle can hang, can show a little bit off zero. So there's a little like screw. If you take a screwdriver on the instrument, you can just turn that and kind of recalibrate that needle back to zero. That's the only instrument or thing a pilot can adjust on the flight instruments. And I'm not including the altimeter setting. Obviously, that's expected that pilots are constantly adjusting that over time in the air. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about other adjustments. And the only one is the VSI. So I thought that was a good one. The student mentioned, what is the effect in density altitude between two different temperatures, between a change in temperature? This is nothing new. We've had this in the ground school, but maybe the student just hadn't remembered it or recognized it but basically you just use the chart that the faa gives you to find a density altitude with a temperature and a pressure altitude and then you do it again and then you just find the difference so you say okay this increase of 20 degrees in temperature raise the density altitude by 1500 feet or something like that those are just guesses that is what i wanted to share it was a great feedback from this member and they got a great score so that is going to be our listener question of the day or our student question of the day. Now let's get into the lesson. All right. So as I mentioned, this is lesson 14 of section 12 on cross-country planning in our step one course, which has all the lessons in the online ground school. So far, we've been going through our entire cross-country navlog. We've done examples for every single step. And just kind of let me just briefly again review what we've done, right? We Found our checkpoints. We measured distances between the checkpoints. We measured courses between the checkpoints. We found the variation, magnetic variation, so that we can get from true course to magnetic course. But then we found our we gathered winds and temperatures for takeoff landing and cruise flight. Then we were able to calculate distance, climb performance, and descent performance. Then we calculated our true airspeed during climb and cruise and descent, and we did those two different ways. Once we had true airspeed and all our weather data, temperature and wind, we could then get our calculate our ground speed and magnetic heading. And then now that we have our ground speed with our time, we can calculate our time and route. So that's what we're doing here today. So let's get to it again. We finally have the information we need to calculate time. It will take to each checkpoint and the time it will take in total to reach our destination since speed or in this case, ground speed is just distance divided by time. We can solve the equation for time and plug in the values of ground speed and distance. Ground speed is just distance divided by time. If we multiply both sides by time, we get time times ground speed equals distance. We divide both sides by ground speed. We can get time equals distance divided by ground speed. Now, if this simple algebra is something you learned about in school, you just hated. And I know there's people out there and I totally understand. I had many friends and close family, relatives that hate this stuff. So I know there's just some people's brains just don't work that way. Just simply write these equations down and remember them. You have ground speed equals distance over time, or you have time equals distance over ground speed, or you have distance equals time times grounds. I, even though I'm good, I like algebra and I know how to do this stuff. I, on my knee board, I have these three equations written out. So I don't even have to think about it, right? I can just look and if I need time, I have the time equation. If I need distance, I have the distance equation. If I need ground speed, I have the ground speed equation. Just memorize the equations. If you don't like doing the algebra, if you like doing the algebra, it's a little bit less to memorize because you just need to memorize ground speed equals distance over time. Then you can do algebra to solve for all the other ones. To get the time and route to each checkpoint, all we have to do is divide the distance to the checkpoint by the ground speed will be flying to that checkpoint. So we're gonna divide each checkpoint's distance by its corresponding ground speed, record the time for each checkpoint to the corresponding column in our cross-country planner, NAVLOG, and we're gonna incrementally sum up the total time at each checkpoint in the column for total time to get a cumulative total lapse time since departure at each checkpoint. So just like we did with distance, right? Let's say we had from our takeoff airport to checkpoint one, it was seven nautical miles. Then from checkpoint one to checkpoint two, it was, 13 nautical miles. So then we also had a column in our nav log that totaled those, right? So at checkpoint one, that total was seven nautical miles because we've just traveled a total of seven. At checkpoint two, though, that total jumps to 20 nautical miles because it's the seven it took to get to checkpoint one and then the 13 it took to get to checkpoint two. And then we continue that after that. So that we're going to do the same thing with time. So if it takes us four minutes to get to checkpoint one and 12 minutes to get to checkpoint two, then our total is going to be four minutes to checkpoint one and then four plus 12 equals 16 minutes to get to checkpoint two. We want to keep that total running all the way down. So at the very end we have a total time for the, our entire flight, but also this is helpful at each checkpoint because when you take off, you're going to start your watch. You're going to start a timer. And so when you're at checkpoint three, you can look at that total time or let's say checkpoint four. Say checkpoint four on your nav log, it says it should be a total of 41 minutes. And you look at your timer and it says 44 minutes. Then you can be like, okay, it's taking a little bit longer. You know, why is that? Probably maybe your aircraft isn't performing as well. Maybe the difference in temperature, or maybe there's a stronger headwind than you expected, slowing you down, giving you a slower ground speed. So these are the type of things you want to know, and that's why we time these and why we have these total times. One of the reasons we have these total times and one of the reasons that we time ourselves so that we can kind of keep track of this stuff as we go along, because then we know if it's taking longer to get these checkpoint, that means we're burning more fuel. So we can keep a mental note of how much fuel we're actually burning compared to what we're we have planned. And if that gets way too far off, then we might want to think about Did I have enough margin in my fuel for this, or am I in danger of running out of fuel? That's just some of the reasons why we do this. So let's do some examples. So example one, after we have found our ground speeds for each checkpoint using the E6B, we now have the information we need to calculate time using the same information that we just calculated in the previous lesson. The distance to each checkpoint and the speed over the ground, ground speed, at each checkpoint, a simple calculation can be made with the knowledge that speed or velocity is simply distance divided by time, or ground speed equals distance over time. With this, we can solve for time, and we find that time equals distance over ground speed. We've already talked about this. This will give us the time to each checkpoint in terms of hours. To convert to minutes, we can multiply by 60 or change our equation to time equals 60 times distance divided by ground speed. This is where most people make their mistakes. Ground speed is nautical miles per hour, per hour. So we have to know our units. Distance is in nautical miles. So when we use distance divided by ground speed, we, we're dividing a nautical mile by nautical miles per hour. So the result of that is the nautical miles are going to cancel out and we're going to get time in Hours. If we want to convert to minutes, because we probably do, right? We don't want to say, all right, the time it takes to checkpoint one is 0.2 minute or 0.2 hours, 0.04 hours, or something like that. We want to know that in minutes, right? To convert from hours to minutes, we simply multiply by 60 because there's 60 minutes in an hour. So if it was 0.1 hours times 60, that's going to give us six minutes. You can. Just do that after you get the answer. So after you get time and hours, you can just multiply that by 60. Or, and this is the same exact thing, you just change that time equals distance over ground speed equation to be time equals distance times 60 divided by ground speed. It's the same thing. So whichever order you want to do that in, that's up to you. But just remember, if you don't have that 60 in there, if you're not multiplying by 60, your answer is going to be in hours. So you have to convert to minutes if you want minutes. So consider the following checkpoints for an example flight plan. At checkpoint one, we have ground speed to that checkpoint of 82 knots. We have a distance to the checkpoint of seven nautical miles. Checkpoint two, we have a ground speed to the checkpoint of 84 knots, distance to the checkpoint of 12 nautical miles. To checkpoint three, we have a ground speed of 93 knots and 15 nautical miles. To checkpoint four, it's 106 knots and 17 nautical miles. And then checkpoint five, we have a ground speed to checkpoint of 107 knots, and distance to checkpoint of 13 nautical miles. To calculate the time to each checkpoint, we simply multiply the distance to each checkpoint by 60, then divide the ground speed to each checkpoint. And remember, the 60, the reason we're doing this We're adding in or multiplying by 60 is so our answer is in minutes. That's how we convert from hours to minutes. If we don't multiply by 60, our answers are going to be in hours. So checkpoint one, we have time equals 60 times 7 divided by 82. Again, 7 was the nautical miles, 8. A distance and then 82 is the ground speed. So 60 times seven divided by 82 gives us 5.1 minutes. Checkpoint two time equals 60 times 12 divided by 84. That's 8.6 minutes. Checkpoint three time equals again, 60 times the nautical miles are the distance divided by the ground speed. So 60 times 15 divided by 93 gives us 9.7 minutes. Checkpoint four time equals 60 times 17 divided by 106 equals 9.6 minutes and checkpoint 5 time again equals 60 times the distance divided by ground speed or 60 times 13 divided by 107 gives us 7.3 minutes we now have the time to each checkpoint and we can find the total accumulative time at each checkpoint and total time for our flight by summing each checkpoints time checkpoint number one the time to that checkpoint is 5.1 so the total time is 5.1 At Checkpoint 2, the total time to that checkpoint we calculated was 8.6. That's the time it takes from Checkpoint 1 to Checkpoint 2. So if we add that from the time it took to get to Checkpoint 1, we have 5.1 minutes plus 8.6 minutes. That's going to give us 13.7 minutes of total time. Then at Checkpoint 3, the time from Checkpoint 2 to Checkpoint 3 was 9.7 minutes. So, if we add that to our total time, we're now at 23.4 minutes. So, again, that's 5.1 plus 13.7 plus 9.7, or sorry, 5.1 plus 8.6 plus 9.7 gives us 23.4 minutes for our total time so far at checkpoint three. So, if you're flying along, you started your timer at the start of your cross country flight. By the time you reach checkpoint three, your timer should be around 23 to 24 minutes. Let's continue on. Checkpoint four, the time to get there was 9.6 minutes. So that total time now is at 33 minutes. Checkpoint five time was 7.3 to go from checkpoint four to checkpoint five. So we add that to our total time of the previous checkpoint at 33 minutes. So we get now 40.3 minutes of total time. So the total time of our five checkpoint flight is 40.3 minutes or about 0.7 hours. This information will be recorded in our cross country planner at each checkpoint so that when we actually fly, we can time and record the actual time to each checkpoint for comparison. If it is taking longer to reach each checkpoint, we can assume that there is more of a headwind than we expected, or if it's taking less time checkpoint, we can assume that there is more of a tailwind than expected or our aircraft is performing better than we expected. Maybe the density altitude is lower as well. Your forecasted winds are often not 100% accurate. Very often not 100% accurate. They can be close and usually in the general direction, but they can change pretty quickly and often. So therefore, it is extremely important to compare actual time to your expected time while flying. If it's taking you longer due to an unexpected headwind, it's critical to understand that you will burn more fuel than you were prepared for. If your fuel calculations put you close to your maximum fuel capacity, then you probably want to add a stop to refuel and be safe. So we're going to do a couple more examples, and I have the same note in our ground schools. I've mentioned before we've seen a change in the way the FA is asking questions on the written exam. It's more memorization, rote memorization, fact-based questions, and simple calculations. So simple calculations means like using one equation, maybe measuring one thing and using one equation, not multiple steps, and you'll understand kind of some of these examples of what multiple steps are or interpolation and questions that involve interpolation. They reduce the time, the total time from two and a half hours to two hours. So I think what they did is they said, okay, these multiple step calculation questions, let's take those out so that the test is a little bit quicker and we can focus more on testing their knowledge of the regulations and air spaces and weather and fundamentals of aerodynamics and things like that. And then we can leave these calculations for their flight training and the check ride. That's kind of the way they're going. So the note says that I have here on the ground school and why I'm leaving these in the ground school is as follows. So so we've updated our practice tests and our quizzes to reflect the real thing, but I still teach these in the lessons and here's why. The following examples are no longer being seen on the FA written exam. However, we are leaving these examples in because they are good learning aids and that they force a student to understand the different ways of coming up with these values and why those values are important. These questions will certainly make you a more competent pilot and help you in flight training and your check right even though they're not being asked on the FA written exam. So part-time pilot is all about not just helping you the FA written exam. You could 100% just buy a test prep book and memorize all those questions and answers. Although all these test prep books have yet to update their question and answers like we have, but you could do that and you could pass the test 75, 80%, right? You can get that, you just need over 70, that's fine. But you're not going to you're not going to make things easier for yourself in flight training. Your instructor is going to see that you have gaps in your knowledge and that you've just memorized the questions and you're going to have to pay your instructor for one-on-one ground time as things are going to get more expensive. You're going to have to halt your flight training until you learn these concepts. At part-time, we go the extra mile to make sure that not only passing the test, but you're going to pass your checkride and your flight lessons and all that stuff. That's why these are still in. Let's do a couple of them. Example. Number two, the key to answering any question, especially if you are confused by the question at first, is to make sure you understand what they're asking, what information they give you, and what equations you can use with that information. In one such question I have seen in the past on the F.A. written exam, they will tell you the time it took an aircraft to travel from one location to another, and then ask you to determine how long it will take you to get to a third location. It will go something like this. While traveling on a cross country, you fly over Airport 1 at 1230 Zulu. And then you fly over Airport 2 at 1251 Zulu. What time should you arrive at Airport 3? Here they will have given you two Zulu times and three locations and want you to find the third Zulu time. They will also give you a figure in which you can measure the distances between these locations. So here I just said Airport 1, Airport 2, just as a, a dummy example, right? But they will actually give you the names of the airports and figure what those airports on it. They'll say, like, look at figure 21, and so you arrive at... K-S-A-N at 1230 and then you go to K-S-E-E at 1251. What time should you arrive at K-A-P-V or something like that? Those are just examples, but it's going to be something like that. How would you do this? Using the first two times and locations, you can find a time and a distance. We have the time it takes to get from checkpoint 1 to checkpoint 2, basically, from airport 1 to airport 2. It says 1230 Zulu to 1251, so we have the time. And then we have the chart, and we can measure. We have our plotter tool, so we can measure. So we can find a distance and time to get that. When we have distance and time, what can we get? We can get ground speed, because ground speed is simply distance over time. So now we have distance, time, and ground speed from checkpoint one to checkpoint two. Then you can use this ground speed to find the time it takes to get to the third location. So basically we have to assume if we just assume that the winds are unchanged. If it doesn't say that, then we just assume that, right? The winds are unchanged. We, we're not changing power or anything like that. We're just staying in cruise flight. the Winds are unchanged. So we're going to keep the same ground speed from airport two to airport three. If we assume that, then all we need is a distance. And we can find the time and we can get the distance because we can measure it here. This is a classic example of what did they give you? What can you get from the information they give you? That would be you can measure the distances and you can calculate the ground speeds. Then once you kind of write all that stuff that they've given you, what you can get, the picture becomes clear of how you can get the answer. Distance between airport one and airport two. You would measure this with your plotter tool, with the figure the test provides for the purposes of this example. Let's say we measured from airport one to airport two and it's 38 nautical miles. Again, if you're doing this on the FA written exam, if you're doing this on a sectional chart or a terminal area chart, just make sure you're using the right scale on your plotter tool. If you're doing this on the FA figure, each figure has its own scale. It's not going to match the scale on your plotter tool. So you have to measure from airport one to airport two and then see what that is on the scale on the figure they're not printed to scale so that's why they put the scales on the figures so whatever you get let's say you get 30 nautical miles on your plotter you have to line that up with the scale on the chart and convert it to the charts scale that's for the fa written figures you wouldn't need to do that if you were actually using a terminal area or a sectional chart you would just make sure you're using the corresponding scale on your plotter tool For the purposes of the example, let's say we measured that and we converted to the figure scale and we got 38 nautical miles. Time to travel from airport one to airport two, that was also given to us. We just have to make a simple calculation. It says we got to airport one at 1230, airport two at 1251. So the difference between that is 21 minutes. 21 minutes to go from airport one to airport two. So it's taken 38 nautical miles of distance and 21 minutes. So now we can calculate ground speed. The only thing we have to do, remember ground speed is nautical miles per hour so we have time in minutes so we first want to make our time our time in terms of hours so we have 21 minutes we can divide that by sixty to get hours or we can do distance divided by time divided by sixty or that's the same thing as saying distance divided by time in hours so either distance divided by time in hours or distance divided by time in minutes and divide that by sixty let's say we do 38 divided by 21 divided by 60. So 21 divided by 60, 21 minutes divided by 60 gives us the time and hours, and then 38 divided by that is gonna give us 108 nautical miles per hour. So now we can find the distance between airport two and airport three. Again, we would just measure this with our plotter tool and the figure they provide. We'd convert that to the scales on the, the FAA figures. And let's say for the purposes of this example, the distance is 22 nautical miles. So now we can have everything we need to calculate time. To get time, we can just rearrange our ground speed equation like we talked about before. So we can get time equals distance over ground speed. Again, because ground speed is in nautical miles per hour, this would mean our time answer would be in terms of hours. If we assume we have the same ground speed of 108 nautical miles that we had from airport one to airport two, from airport two to airport three, we have the same ground speed, we can just do our distance that we just measured from airport two to airport three, 22 nautical miles, divided by our ground speed of 108 nautical miles to get 0.2 hours. If we multiply that by 60, we can get 0.2 times 60 equals 12.2 minutes. We know that we're arriving at Airport 2, the question tells us, at 12.51 Zulu. If we add 12.2 minutes to that, we get about 13.03 Zulu is the Zulu time that we will reach Airport 3. So let's do one more here. This is third example, so example number three in this lesson. In the past, the FAA written has also given questions that don't give you time and distance for a simple ground speed calculation. Instead, they give you wind data, true airspeed, two locations, and ask you to determine the time and route. In this situation, we can still use the ground speed equation to determine time for our answer, but how do we get ground speed? We don't have a distance and time to calculate ground speed, but when you're given a two locations, a true airspeed and a wind, should immediately make you think of the wind side of the E6B. You have wind data, you have true airspeed. All you need is a true course and you can find your ground speed. To get a true course we can measure that because they gave us the two locations and the figure. This would look something like this. Determine the time and route between airport one and airport two. Say the wind is 300 degrees at 50 knots and your true airspeed is 110 knots. So here you can use the two airport locations and the figure they provide to measure the distance just like we did before you must travel as well as the true course you will be traveling in route. So we can use our plotter tool to find the true course. Then all you need is a ground speed in order to use time equals distance over ground speed because we have the distance between the two locations. We just need ground speed and luckily they have given you both the true airspeed and the wind data needed to use the wind side of the E6B. So along with the true course that we measure, we can use the wind side of the E6B. So first the distance between airport one and airport two, we'll use your plotter tool and the figure provided to measure this in nautical miles. Again, if you're using the FAA figures, you wanna convert to the scales on those figures. And so for the sake of this example, let's say we measure 20 nautical miles. And now the true course between airport one and airport two, again, we're gonna use our plotter tool. You're gonna line it up so that it's in line from airport one to airport two, your plotter tool is your ruler airport one, and then you're gonna spin that wheel so that the arrows are pointing in the same direction as the lines of longitude on the chart. So the vertical lines of longitude on your chart are parallel to the vertical lines with the arrows on your wheel. You wanna make sure those are pointed up towards north, and then where your line, your course line from airport one to airport two, where that intersects your wheel, that's gonna be your true course. Again, for the sake of this, Example, let's say it's 210 degrees. Now ground speed calculation with E6B. Now we can use our E6B with the wind data provided by the question and the true course we just determined. You would start with the true direction of winds. You dial that in under the true index on the wind side of your E6B. Then you mark up the wind velocity up from the grommet. Then you spin the wheel to your true course value so that the true course is under the true index. Then you slide the wheel up and down so that your wind velocity mark lands on the arc in the background behind the wheel for true airspeed value that they gave us of, what was that, of 110 knots. And then we're going to read our ground speed under the grommet. For the sake of this example, with all this data, that would give you 109 nautical miles per hour for your ground speed. So now we have the ground speed and the distance it's going to take. We can use that time that ground speed equation solve for time. So we can do time in hours equals distance over ground speed. So distance is 20 divided by ground speed of 109 gives us 0.18 hours. Again, if you want to convert that to minutes, you'd multiply that by 60. So 0.18 times 60 gives us 11 minutes. So there's a few more examples in here. Example 4 talks about these FA written questions where they give you VOR radials. So same sort of thing. You would just want to see in what straight line you cross those two VOR radials and then you can see that on the chart and you can measure a distance and all sort of the same thing, just kind of asked a little bit differently. We actually have a video of that, which I'll post in the show notes. And then again, it's described in detail, broken down step-by-step in the ground school. And then example five, it talks about how to get the indicated airspeed. So this kind of puts all the concepts we've learned in cross-country planning together in one. This is definitely one of those multiple-step questions that they're not asking on the F.A. written exam. Again, it's a good learning aid because it teaches you all these these cross-country planning tools sort of in one question. So you would kind of do exactly what we've done, but kind of work backwards. You'd have find a ground speed, the E6B to get a true airspeed, then use the other side of E6B to get an indicated airspeed. So again, we break that down and we have a video of that, which I'll put in the show notes. And then the last example, they give a distance and time as well as winds, course, altitude and temperature and ask you to find the indicated airspeed. But if you're not given any speed, you kind of have to work backwards. It's just a little bit different, differently worded than that other one. Again, putting in all the concepts we've learned in a really good learning tool. But again, one of those multiple step questions that you're not going to see on the FA written exam anymore. We have a video for that one as well. So we'll put that also in the show notes. That's it. That's the end of this lesson. In next week's lesson, we're going to be on lesson 15 of section 12 on cross-country planning. That's going to be on fuel consumption and planning. So now that we have the time, we can come up really with a good, accurate fuel of what we plan to burn for fuel. Then lesson 16 will be takeoff and landing performance And we have lessons 17 and 18, where we do some more practice with examples of the paper E6B and even use the Sporty's electronic E6B. I'm not going to have this on the podcast. I will make audio lessons for our ground school members for these, but these will sort of be like bonus episodes that only ground school members get. They're just more examples. So again, not teaching the main stuff. After the next two lessons, we'll move on to section 13 here on the podcast thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for the support. As always, please leave us a review, subscribe. It really helps us out. And again, I apologize for me talking about the ground school and reading off reviews, but again, this is all free and we're the only ones doing this out there. So we need to promote it a little bit. We're not going to force you to join or anything like that. We got to talk about it where we can. So I appreciate you guys listening to that. Talk to you later. Hey, what's up, pilots? This is Nick. I wanted to take a second and talk about the ultimate private pilot test prep book. Now, we don't have a ton of reviews yet on Amazon, but a lot of people have gotten it and we have a lot of good feedback from it. And the reason why is because it blows out all those other test prep books out of the water, right? If you've gotten a test prep book before, it's got a bunch of FA written test questions. It's good for that. It's good for that rote memorization, practicing those test problems and stuff. But if you want to learn beyond that, it might have some bullet point summaries of some of the subjects. It might tell you some tips on multiple choice test strategies, but that's about it, right? So what if you want to learn this stuff at a fundamental level? What if you want to go deeper on any of these topics because you're just not getting these topics? And the reason I made this is because we don't have anything physical. And I myself am someone who really likes to study with something physical in my hands. I like to take it with me to the beach, to the park, when I'm traveling, whatever. So I wanted to make a book unlike any of the other books. So that's what I did with the Ultimate Private Path test prep. So how is it different? Well, it's got all those test questions just like the other books. It covers every single subject just like the other books, but it breaks things down in explains all the concepts in simple English, and then you add in diagrams and visual aids that those books do not have, and then you also add in QR codes. You know those little QR codes that you scan to bring up a menu that came around during COVID? So yeah, you can do that with your mobile device, your iPad, whatever, and it'll bring up a video lesson on what you're watching. We also have a bunch of QR codes in there for free downloads, as well as free practice tests that come with the book. So it's on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's only 37 dollars and it's got literally everything you guys that's why it's the ultimate test prep book it's the best bet you can get for one single book when you're studying for your private pilot test so check it out Hey guys it's nick i want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there you might be a student pilot that is you know wondering what to do next how to get started or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck you're in a rut and you're looking for a change something to help get you out of that hurdle from my own experience in flight training after three years five instructors and twenty two thousand dollars and wanting to quit multiple multiple times And then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant, because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. fly a plane for the first time, everything's great and dandy. But once you get into, you know, bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross country flight planning and flying solo on a cross country flight, things get a little more advanced. And when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna start to get behind the aircraft. And when this happens not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So, most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And So how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern-day student pilot? Well the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You want to avoid being boring, you want to avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways and you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic, again tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally you can utilize our group community either their FAA written or their FAA check ride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested in and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on online ground school, and we'll see you inside the online ground school. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.